Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hey, Jim. Hey, summer is here. Kimberly, have you had some pool time? I'm looking forward to it very soon. Well, I think the water is ready and the sky is blue mm-hmm. and it feels so good to have the warmth of a summer day. For me, there's very few things more relaxing than just to sit by a pool. Mm-hmm. I can't take too much sunlight because I've got a sun allergy, <laughs> but to be in the shadows and just feel the warm air, it's so life-giving. Yeah. Sometimes, though, when I lay on the chase lounge by the pool and you're just quiet and you're not engaged with any of your neighbors or your children or your children's children, your mind can wander. I don't know about you, but my mind can wander. Sometimes it wanders into things I dream about doing later in life, or maybe they wander backwards to when I was a child. Sometimes they wander to moments that weren't so happy, and something will happen where I'll remember, ouch, that hurt Mm. when uh, so-and-so responded in such a way, or ouch, I don't like the memory of my own failure Mm -hmm. to be the friend I should have been. Sometimes in those quiet times, life comes into full view, and we can really wrestle with them, what to do. Sure. And all of us have moments when you reflect over your whole life of broken places and relationships. Mm-hmm. And, oh, so-and-so used to be my best friend, and now I don't even see them. Or, how did it happen that I no longer feel good in the company of my sister who I used to do everything with? Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us have places in life like that. What to do? Today on Viewpoint, we talk about the difference between just moving on and reconciliation. The difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And we're going to drink from the well of a great story in the Old Testament that talks about two brothers who were deeply estranged by their parents and who come together at the last. Stay with us. I'd like to think that life is just a succession of sweet moments where there are no injuries and no (laughs) bruises, but unfortunately, in this broken world, not so. And all of us have been wounded. I've been reading a book called Wounded, written by Anne Graham Lotz. Now, she's the daughter of Billy Graham. She is a great author. She's a great Bible teacher. She is a great speaker in her own right, even though her father, of course, is famous for all of those things. She has established her own persona and uh, is a woman of great wisdom. In this book called Wounded, she discloses some of her own journey in life and how she's found herself wounded, even by people who also are followers of Jesus as she is. And boy, that's really hard to bear. Maybe because she's been so honest and transparent, it's easier for people like me to pick up the book and find it useful because we realize if if Angram Lotz, who is the daughter of Billy Graham and has been out there so much and done so much so well, has found herself wounded, maybe I shouldn't uh, beat myself up too badly if I get wounded every now and then. I think, you know, her book is a testimony to the truth that community is hard, just like the scriptures. You know, anytime that we come together or share life with other people who are broken and we bring our own brokenness, things happen, misunderstandings happen wounds and scars and old ways of doing things sort of all mixed together. And it's just inevitable that that we hurt each other, even if we don't intend to. And that is life for everyone. It's not just everyone. the journey of this one or that one. That's just the human experience. And when we're wounded, then what? Because if that's true, if it's almost a universal experience in human life, how do we pick up the pieces? What do we do next? Yes. No one wants to be bruised. No one wants to have an injury emotionally of the heart or otherwise, what do you do next? 
Angram Lotz, in her book, finds real instruction and hope in the story of Hagar in Genesis. This is a woman who was a slave girl who found herself caught in situations that were really beyond her control. And in the end, she finds herself abandoned and she is sent out into the wilderness with her son, Ishmael. Ishmael is the firstborn child of Abraham, great patriarch of the faith, a star really of the Old Testament and referenced Mm -hmm. in the New. This Abraham and Sarah had their own son together. His name is Isaac. And because Sarah was very uncomfortable with the tension between the two boys, one her own son and the other the son of her husband, but by a different woman. And because Hagar didn't always handle it correctly either. Sometimes she was a little haughty as she was the one who gave Abraham a son first before his wife Sarah. And I mean, there are all kinds of dynamics in the story, but in the end, the families are separated. Ishmael and his mother are sent out of the house and they have to make their own way. Abraham and Sarah and their boy Isaac go on on a separate course. And it's a very desperate story. For all the woundedness that Hagar must have known, some of it consequent to her own poor choices, and also some of it consequent to the poor choices of others. In her woundedness, she has to make a decision and she chooses to go forward. But can this gap, this chasm, this, this now huge injury that has torn this family apart, can it ever be bridged? Ishmael and Isaac develop parallel universes. They become the progenitors of great houses and families and tribes. Can they be reconciled? Ooh, that's the story. And we find in Genesis an answer that what seems impossible by human measure actually can take place, that it is possible even after desperate woundedness and deep, deep scarring, even after the passage of time where there isn't much healing, it's still possible to find reconciliation. When we come back, we're going to tell that part of the story and see what we can learn from it for ourselves. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Love the guilt within Upward I 
Abraham has two sons, Ishmael, born by a slave girl named Hagar, in an arrangement that was conceived foolishly in an attempt to try and accelerate God's plan in a promise to give Abraham a son because it wasn't working with his wife. His wife dreamed up the idea of conceiving a child with her servant girl, Hagar, and, and put her in bed with her husband, Abraham. And it sounds outrageous today. In the primitive world in which they lived, it seemed more normative, but still it's outside, I think, the bounds of what God would have designed. Nevertheless, Ishmael is born. Mm-hmm. Later, Abraham has a son with his wife at an advanced age. Sarah gives birth. Mm -hmm. Isaac and Ishmael live separately and grow to become men and leaders of their own houses. Abraham lives a long time. And then we find that when Abraham passes away, something remarkable happens. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 25. Kimberly, I know you have that open in front of you. Give us just a few verses from the chapter that tell us about the possibility of reconciliation. I'm reading here from Genesis 25, verses 7 to 10. Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. This was the field Abraham had purchased from the Hittites and where he had buried his wife, Sarah. There's something thoughtful about this passage, even though it has a lot of place names that sound strange to us. And many of us could not put a pin on a map to describe where they are. But there's still something universal about what you've just read. Abraham passes away. He lives a long time. He's described as living a long and satisfying life. But I have to wonder, as his life was ebbing... And he found his body, the flesh, releasing his spirit. I mean, as he looked back over the course of his days, I'm sure he had some moments which he thought, I didn't handle that well. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have done that differently. And he surely thought about his sons, his firstborn, Ishmael. You can never forget your firstborn child. No matter what happens, it's your firstborn child. It's his son and his beloved Isaac, who he loved so deeply, conceived with his wife, Sarah, who held his heart for so many years. I mean, he's looking backward over his whole life. I'm going to guess as a parent, if he had one wish, it would be that his children would be in harmony. Mm, I think that's probably a good guess, Jim. And, you know, what strikes me here is um, you and I have done probably our fair share of funeral services, been together with families who are coming back together at the passing of a loved one. And it doesn't always work out well, right? We come back together, there's hurt, there's pain, there's bitterness. What's happened here in the Ishmael and Isaac story is that Ishmael is the oldest. He's supposed to inherit Abraham's property and livestock and riches. And by this time, by the way, there's a great deal of that. And instead, Isaac is the person who inherits that. And Ishmael and his mother go and have to make a way for their own selves. At this point... When Abraham passes away, um, then, what, 75 years later, we have the, the sons coming back together, and they both have built lives for themselves, but they've come back, and is that bitterness, is that hurt, does it all get drummed up again, right? You took this from me. Uh, and what this passage tells us is they were able to come together to get past it and to do the thing they needed to do, honor their father. They stood shoulder to shoulder as they laid their father to rest. 
Reconciliation is possible in every case where two people hope and long to be reconciled. Hmm. And let's talk a little bit about what that means, differentiated from forgiveness. Yeah. Because all of us are called to forgive. And when we're wounded, when the younger brother takes the estate that we think should be ours, mm-hmm. or when the stepmother uh, intervenes and favors her own children right. over me, or when I'm cast out because, you know what, the latter can't seem to shine in the company of the former, or, or whatever it is, as we wrestle with those things, we have to forgive. Even when you're wronged, forgiveness is not just about when somebody didn't mean to harm you or they're what wasn't a thoughtful dialogue. No matter what the context, you can never harbor bitterness or unforgiveness because it will block your own ability to be forgiven by God. That's what the scripture clearly says. It eats you up. I think I've shared this before, but the Hebrew word for forgiveness is nasa, and it literally means to lift up. And in the Hebrew sense of the understanding of the word, power rests with the person who's been wronged. You are the person who has the power then to lift up that yoke, to lift up that mantle off the person who's harmed you. It's a different way than how we sort of conceive it in our modern times, but it's beautiful that that really the powerful thing to do is to lift that up, to forgive that person, because what it does is it sets you free. It's not diminishing at all, mm-hmm. and it doesn't subordinate you. It empowers you, and yes. you stand tall. Forgiveness is commanded by God. It is a condition of our own forgiveness from heaven's mm-hmm. side, and you have to forgive. But even when we forgive, even when we make the decision, you know what, I'm going to let that go. I will not nurture any sense of trying to take an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth because he took my eye and my tooth, I'm taking his. All of that is laid to rest. And I'm not going to cycle over and over again all the ways in which my enemy has harmed me. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive. But that's not the same as being reconciled. No. Reconciliation requires additional investment and step. And when we come back, Kimberly, let's just talk a little bit about what Ishmael and Isaac had to do to be reconciled. And it will be the same for us. Trouble's chasing me again Breaking down my best defense I'm looking God, I'm looking for you Weary just won't let me rest And fear is filling up my head I'm longing God, I'm longing for you But I will find you in the place I'm in Find you when I'm 
Ishmael and Isaac are both the sons of Abraham, but estranged over time by the disputes between their mothers, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they find themselves in separate worlds and yet nearby one another. When Abraham dies, they reappear in the biblical narrative, standing side by side to lay him to rest. They honor him together. This suggests a kind of reconciliation that transcends what we might call just forgiveness. Maybe Ishmael had moved forward in life and just forgiven Isaac, and he might have just blotted the memory out. But there's something more here. He moves to stand by Isaac, and vice versa. Isaac might have always been fearful or resentful of the older brother, but something's happened here. He's willing to stand side by side. This is reconciliation. Mm. This is what's hard. (laughs) It is hard because it requires us, even when we're wounded, Mm -hmm. to move past that. Forgiveness is the first step. You have to forgive and not harbor ill will. And then you have to say, I want this to be whole, not just broken in perpetuity. I don't want to live on the other side of a canyon. I want to somehow be close by. It feels like reconciliation calls some sort of risk from us. Uh, Because when you're wounded, when you're hurt... Uh, Even if you're able to forgive, let me say it this way, even if I'm able to forgive, it feels like reconciliation calls me to risk. I have to reinvest in this person, re-engage with this situation, re-enter into what's happened and try to work together. Boy, that's hard Uh, because I want to (laughs) remember, you know, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to let you do it to me again. Reconciliation says, I got to walk back in there with a whole heart and risk that we might go down this road again. Be vulnerable again. Yes. Exactly. And also, is there some kind of fear that we're admitting that it really wasn't that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. And we're minimizing our own suffering by just moving forward in a new relationship. I mean, there's so much complication in such reconciliation. And yet, it's where life is found. Mm-hmm. Think how blessed it was for Isaac and Ishmael to imagine themselves and to understand at that moment They are both born from the same father. Mm -hmm. They have so much more in common than that which divides them, that they have heirs that are actually related, that there are Christmas parties still to be had. Of course, Christmas was not on the calendar in those days, but (laughs) but the idea being that there are family celebrations. There's a rich fabric and tapestry of people to know that can be a part of our community. There's so much to be gained by reconciling instead of being separate. How scary and yet how rewarding. Makes me think almost uh, for a minute of Joseph and his brothers and uh, their great reconciliation after everything that they put Joseph through. And he says this beautiful line in Genesis 60 that I, I think is so important. He says, what you did to me, you meant for harm, but God used it for good. I think maybe Ishmael might say the same thing here. Do you know? Um, it was a terrible thing that happened to my mother and I, but God used it for good. And as we've talked about on this program, you know, Hagar surrendered and went with God and uh, moved forward into the life that God had for them. And it's obvious all these many years later that Ishmael was also taken care of and they come back together to do the right thing and work together to get it done. And Joseph is a very apt analog Mm. to this story, but even more so Jesus. Because here we have the very person of God in human form who comes into this world and is deeply wounded, not just by his enemies, but by his friends. And still he forgives. Famously, near his passing, excruciating physical pain on the cross, uh, being 
torn apart in his own emotions and heart. It had to be an awful moment. And still he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't comprehend the depth and the magnitude of what they're doing here as I'm on the cross. And even as he reaches to forgive and promises to forgive all of us, and in a way all of us had a hand in the murder of Christ. We don't like to think of it that way, but our own disobedience and folly in life, our sin, nailed him there. But Jesus is not content just to forgive us. He wants to be reconciled to us. Mm -hmm. He wants us to have a whole relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so here we have Jesus who's reaching out to us. Think about what that means. He's not in any way diminished by it. He's increased by it. Mm -hmm. He in no way admits that, well, what happened is of no significance. It's never. It's never diminished the horror of the cross. But there's beauty and life and future in the reconciliation. And if we are to follow Jesus, we have to reach in the same way to be reconciled. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to think about, making a list of people from whom you've been estranged over a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And as you look back at that, you can say, well, you know what, that's just what happened. Uh, That's just the sad reality. Sometimes we look at the list and say, well, that's what they deserve. Mm -hmm. Uh, But none of that is healthy. What is healthy is to say, Lord, is there some bridge I need to start building back? Is there some call I need to make, some note I need to write? Is there some prayer I need to offer? Is there some hug I need to give and help start reconciliation? Oh, but wait, Kimberly, what happens if I try and build a bridge when I reach out and I get my hand slapped again? Mm -hmm. Is it useless to even try? No. No. Because even when I try to reconcile, even if I'm rejected, I grow. That's right. I become more like Jesus. I become more whole. But normally, in the reach for reconciliation, maybe not in the first gesture, but in time, there is a response that is welcoming. Folks, today, as you're listening, we're not sure where you are in life, but all of us have had wounded moments, and all of us have times when we wish that we could be restored. We also have some relationships that perhaps we'd like to just leave by the side of the road, but still there's something inside of us that says, no, reach back, try and reconcile. Today in your life, join us for a moment of prayer. Just see what the Lord brings to mind and make a commitment to do whatever he asks you to do to reconcile. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you are loving and kind and gracious. We're thankful that you're forgiving and we thank you for your son who came into this world to prove beyond all question that you're a forgiving God. Mm. We admit, Lord, that we have much for which to be forgiven, and we thank you for clothing us with your forgiveness. But even more, we also thank you that you're not just content to forgive us and leave us be, but you want to be reconciled to us so that we can have a whole dynamic and living relationship with you. And in that spirit, Lord, impress upon us who in this world we must be reconciled with. Are there people that we need to reach, to touch, to love, to reassure and to rebuild a relationship with. Father, impress upon us the names and the moments and the minutes, and may we be surrendered into your hand, knowing that we too can discover what Ishmael and Isaac know, that it's not enough just to forgive. We must also reconcile, but that in that there is life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so thankful that you joined us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Kimberly, for coming alongside as always. Oh, my pleasure. And 
as you have listened today and maybe the Lord has stirred in your heart, you have a question or you have a comment or you would like us to pray with you, whatever is on your heart right now, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Dial this number 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone, ready to hear from you. Or if you prefer, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message and we'll get back to you. We promise. And at the last, if you prefer, just write me a letter. Send it by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But however you choose to reach out, whether it be by phone, online, or by the mail, let us hear from you. We hope you'll be with us again next week as Viewpoint returns, helping you to see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.